So Zach, I've brought you in here for a very, very important discussion today. I know that we've all been waiting for this answer. So the moment is here. Which one? iPhone or Android? Pick. Is that really even a question? Of course it's iPhone. Okay. Okay. Well, now, now, now you just shut off half of the listeners of this episode, man. Come on. Good. Good. Tell them to go away. Nobody wants an Android user in here. Man, what are you doing? But you got to say both, man. You got to, you got to be in the middle as always. And can't pick a side, man. Can't, Can't pick a side. But more importantly, Zach Knight, everybody, if you want to put a face to the name, especially if you're not watching one of our video streams and you're on one of the podcasts, check out Zach Knight. Um, we will definitely dig into to his multiple companies, but be sure to check out his podcast. Uh, you can find him across all social media platforms at, at Be A Tactical Leader and as well as his uh, protection security company. Uh, we'll dive into that as well. It's at Knight Pro LLC and that's Knight K-N. I G H T just in just case. like your knight in shining armor. Exactly. But how are you uh, doing right now? Are you so clearly this episode is really going to be released during some crazy times. 2020 is going to go down as the year of what the fuck. And wh- what are you doing? What's, what's different in your life right now today? Man, first and foremost, like I'm super excited to be here, Miro. I know we've known each other for a few years and you've interviewed some high caliber people. So I'm uh, not on their level, but I'm glad to be here in any way. Um, I honestly thought you said April 1. I thought this was kind of like an April Fool's joke you're playing on me that I was finally, <laughs> you know, it's my big break right here. Um, but for me, man, what I'm focusing on is like staying motivated, staying structured, um, you, you know my military background, so a lot of what I already focus on is that daily structure and, you know, mo- from the morning routine all the way through, like, having a daily plan of what you want to accomplish. And I think that's even more important right now is what are you accomplishing day to day instead of quarantine and chilling? You know, what are you doing to push towards your goal to come out the other side of this as an authority in your field? And that's been a huge focus for me on, like you mentioned, both the podcast and with my security firm. Yeah, because so you mentioned your military background. I mean, you before military, you were an officer as well. And yeah, I was a dirty pig for about (laughs) seven years. Um, I I did all the fun stuff from gang investigations to Mm -hmm. narcotics and SWAT and you name it, and then got silly and wanted to blow up bigger stuff and join the military. So how much has that, uh, you, you said that it, it's making you still have structure right now in a day-to-day life? Because yes, you're right. We're quarantining and chilling. A lot of us are. Uh, do you think it's important not to be doing that? Like, is that going to make things different for you when you get out of this whole thing? Man, I think right now, if you don't double down on what your specialty is, and if you're focused on Netflix or Hulu or you know now Disney Plus, you know, what is that doing to benefit you long-term? You know, we're going to have spending habits are about to change. I think there, this might've been the igniter to the recession we're all waiting on. Um, obviously you see how much the stock market's dropped, right? So everything's going to change. There's going to be a new normal that comes out of this. And if you're not prepping yourself, especially as entrepreneurs, like we are, if you're not prepping yourself and your business to propel forward out of this, then I feel like you're really missing 
a great opportunity where you look at 08, 09, 2010, in that three-year period, more millionaires were developed than any other time in history, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not positioning yourself to be that next millionaire because you're too busy watching Peaky Blinders, which is my big fatuation right now on Netflix, I'm just a little bit 1920s era gangster drama, man. Fantastic stuff. I'm, I was born in the wrong era. I don't need new shows, man. Stop. <laughs> Stop. But I mean, and, and I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course you got to wind down a little bit, a little bit and right. have a little bit, but if you don't have that, you know, daily structure, then your whole day is going to be spent binging. And that's where I think the failure is going to happen. And so what do you do if you don't mind us? Not everybody here can say they've been both, you know, an officer and, uh, you know, part of the military and went overseas. Not too many of us can, but from someone that has done that, what are you doing every single day? Like, can, can we get a quick glimpse into your life and what you're doing different right now? Yeah, man, honestly, a lot's changed. And you know me from... Um, before the deployment, during the deployment where I was a zero four, wake up and work out type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. that was my morning routine. I'm zero being honest four, with you. Which is what, waking up at 4am, 4am. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you during this, uh, little bit, it, I've had, obviously businesses have been affected where people are wanting to meet in person. So I've been able to structure my day more virtually so I might be sleeping in until 6am now. Don't judge me for that. Slacker. Um, wow. You know, but it's wow. been a total shift where uh-huh. there, there are things that I still have maintained structure on where I'm still waking up early enough to work out before I start my day. That's huge to me to get my, that's my meditation time, right? How do I, yeah, I feel like you have to meditate and reflect. And for me going to the gym and put music in is that time for me. Um, part of my morning routine is obviously everybody has the chores. I got to feed the dogs, feed the cats, whatever. But um, a big thing is the gratefulness board that we use as our mirror. Uh, we have a mirror dry erase marker that um, every morning my wife and I both write three things we're grateful for. And I think that's so important to look at right now because even in these hard times, you can still find something to be grateful for. You're breathing, you know, there's fresh air, you have more family time. You know, it doesn't have necessarily to be business related. For me, um, I wrote this morning, I wrote sandbags because I do sandbag workouts at the house now, um, gym time and a big shift, a huge shift for us. We don't have kids, but right now we're babysitting our goddaughter because her parents are law enforcement and healthcare workers. So they've mm-hmm. both been exposed to this COVID and Heather and I haven't been. So now we're babysitting. So now we have a three major. She's three and a half and acts like a teenager. So we have a three-nager in the house. And, you know, that's been a huge shift for us because we're not used to that. So it's a different change. But at the end of the day, we still have to structure our day to make sure we accomplish business, personal, and now childcare, right? Mm-hmm. And you're dropping some bombs this episode. Well, shout out to Bradley dropping bombs. But three-nager, 04. Man, I mean, I've already learned more than, than I usually do. Uh, <laughs> I can't take credit for the three nature. That was uh, my wife's good. term is perfect for it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll have to, uh, get the, the lowdown from, from Heather about how, how that came about. But did you have to lay anybody off or anything right now? Like, are you guys in a crunch at all? You know, are things different for you business wise? Yeah, definitely a huge shift. Um, and, and it's really, the panic. The people that went and bought all the toilet paper up yeah. are the same people that I've had of, as clients that kind of panicked a little bit and canceled meetings, canceled certain things. So mm-hmm. I've definitely had that issue. 
Um, fortunately, the way I structured my business was in preparation for a recession where I don't have full-time employees. Mm-hmm. I already only had 1099 and I only employ law enforcement officers or veterans. So a lot of all my employees right now had about 10 folks. Um, they're still working for me as the need arises, but they're full-time police officers. So one thing I structured is I didn't have that where I don't have to lay anybody off because they only work for me part-time. Yeah. I was just a little bit extra cash in their pocket, right? So I think everybody is hitting that wall where do you lay people off? Do you keep people? Do you fight through? And that's a, a tough thing depending on the industry. You look at like restaurants or hospitality. It's tough to maintain employees now. So oh, yeah. tough decisions, of course, that have to be made either the survival of the business or, you know, layoffs, don't layoffs. It's it's a tough time for folks. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a smart way of doing it because especially with uh, law enforcement, right? They're they're pretty they're pretty damn busy right now. So I can't see them. Uh, you, I guess, kind of got lucky with that part. But what about uh, how does how does security come into play right now? Is is it something that more people want because of all this? Are people like panicking about the possible looting or whatever trespassing that might happen, or are they staying away because it might be like a luxury service? So what's interesting about the way I've, again, some uh, particular way I structured the business, we don't do alarm systems. We don't do provide personnel for security. We are a strategic design and implementation firm where we actually design security protocols all the way from the environment around the building or your house. Mm-hmm. We do residential and commercial. So we design the environment around for safety and security, but we also go all the way into the weeds of what's the culture of the business look like? What are your policies? Do they align with your procedures? So right now is actually we're coming to the forefront. If you look back to the recession of 08, 09, crime rates rose, unemployment rose, mm-hmm. and those two things usually go hand in hand. If more people are laid off, they're more desperate to do whatever they have to to survive. So crime rates increased. So right now we've actually moved more to the forefront where people are seeking us out. And we're very fortunate in this where people are wanting to plan for that now. Now that the panic has kind of subsided, people are like, all right, how do we come out of this and have a safe and secure environment for clients to come back to, for employees to come back to? Um, The event space right now is huge for me where Mm. venues and people are throwing trade shows or conferences. They want to go an extra step to make sure they're doing everything they can for safety and security so that in June, July, or later when events start coming back, how, how have they gone an extra mile to make sure it's safe for me to go and visit and bring that attendance back? So that's a huge piece of what I'm working on right now. Do you, can you give us any tips as to what you're doing for somebody's clients um, in the, say, the event space, for example? I, I don't know if, if these are like million-dollar questions that I can't ask, but is there anything you can share? No, I, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, a big piece of what I did was I partnered with CDC. It's here in Atlanta, and we are Atlanta-based. Now, we'll go national. You know, we don't, we're not limited to Atlanta or Southeast. Um, so we definitely travel, but with me being here in C- in Atlanta with the CDC, it's allowed me to partner with them on a couple things that have been pretty interesting where I'm getting these guidelines from them about different things that you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
we mentioned my podcast, I reached out to the director of who the world health organization to bring him on my podcast. And we're trying to iron that out right now to get him on. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, that's the beauty of being military where I have some connections in other venues that people might not. So the big piece of what they're preaching, obviously there are regulations that they're recommending, but you know, the social distancing thing will only go so far, right? The masks only go so far. Um, it really boils down to projecting to your audience, whoever that may be. So in the event and venue space, it's attendees, right? You only make money if people show up. That's it. So the big thing is how are you marketing to them that you're going that extra mile? So what, what does that extra mile look like? You're talking like hand sanitation, you know, um, hand sanitizer stations where you can get hand sanitizers easily. You're doing different things to minimize everybody touching everything. You know, you're putting rules, policies out there that are outlining, you know, the, the handshaking policy. I think social distancing doesn't necessarily mean you have to be six feet apart, but it should probably mean you don't shake each other's hand right now. Right. You don't want to further that. So I think it's outlining procedures like that, that you want to highlight, Hey, we're taking these steps to encourage people to do this, this, and this. And that's what we're furthering during this conference or during this event to minimize the possibility because at the end of the day, it's not going to be eradicated by June. It's not going to be eradicated by next year. You know, the flu's always been around. So where this is something that we didn't necessarily plan and predict, but you should have already had a little bit of something in, in its space where, you're already trying to minimize germs being spread, right? Now it's just coming to the forefront of necessity. So being, you know, with your background, um, doing what you've done, do you feel what we're doing right now is enough? Or do you think more force needs to be um, put into place? Just like in general, the social distancing measures that are coming out, the, you know, shelter in place rules till April 30th that, that were announced. Are we doing enough? Or is this all kind of a fad type of thing? I'm going to, I'm going to take a, an unpopular stance on this one. I think we're doing too much. I think personally, just trying to be objective about things, the flu, the, the common flu kills more people as a higher fatality rate. As of right now, as of today, as we stand on April 1st, mm-hmm. the statistics are showing that the flu is way worse, right? It might, COVID is more contagious, but the flu actually has a higher lethality rate, right? So for people that are elderly people and they they have autoimmune disorders, those rules should have been in place for them. So a shelter in place, absolutely. You don't want to bring vulnerable individuals out or have people go to where those vulnerable, vulnerable individuals are. But for people like you and I, early 30s that are focused on business growth and providing things that folks need, providing essential duties, and even non-essential, like at the end of the day, yeah, I might get COVID, but it most likely won't kill me, right? The, the, the likelihood of it actually being damaging to me personally is pretty low. So I think it, it's been a knee-jerk panic reaction, but one mm-hmm. big thing that I think has been come out of this that's smart for people, I talk about lean operations in my own organization, this virtual working space is going to be a huge factor, I think, moving forward that is a big benefit to employees, but is also a big benefit to organizations because they're able to lean out a lot of what they're doing. And I think that's going to be a big thing that people should focus on right now is how, how do we lean out? How do we survive the recession? And now is a perfect trial run for all that. So, do you, so 
safe to say you think that the peak is here and that hopefully things might get better? Because like, for example, yesterday I was doing a episode with my podcast partner, producer, and he was, he was on the opposite extreme, you know, we're all going to die, uh, you know, those kind of scenarios. It's only going to get worse by fall, by winter. I'm not trying to bash any of his ideas. I think everybody should have their own and it's kind of what you make of it. So you think, you think it's going to get worse or do you think this is kind of, kind of it, going to taper? Slowly? You know, I think it's going to be deceiving. I think the number of confirmed cases are going to skyrocket. I think they're still climbing right now, right? Especially here in Georgia with the CDC, there are a lot of things filtering through Georgia. But what I think people don't realize is it's focused on now more tests are available. As more people get tested, there'll be more positive tests. I think the actual contagion, we've reached its peak. But the realization of how many people actually got it, I think there are people that had it in December and January that just had no clue and just assumed it was the yeah. flu. You know, so I think realistically, the numbers will probably still climb, but the panic attached to everything should be on the decline, if that makes sense. I hope so. I'm supposed to get married this summer, so. <laughs> well, that's a whole different conversation so. <laughs> and a whole different issue. We'll talk about that later. My condolences, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My wife just walked in the room when I said that. So I was totally kidding. Marriage is great. I know it is, right? <laughs> Hoping, right, just in case the fiance tunes in and listens. But yeah, uh, that that's one. Like, will, will they allow major events to go on? Uh, and during the summer, right? Because let's just say it does come back and, you know, it's mingles, it stays like, like the flu does and comes back in the fall and stays there in the winter. Will they allow 500, 1000 plus person events to happen? That's, that could be, yeah, that could be a game changer, changer in its own. Will these big conferences, these big events ever make its way back or will it be a couple of years? Yeah. And I, I, that is a huge piece, which is where I'm gearing a lot of my messaging to help that industry, because I think there are things they can do. And, uh, you know, we can't, if you want to get in the weeds about it, we can, but to me, there's a constitutionality issue with government shutting down certain businesses. Um, and that's more of my legal talk that I have a, a firm stance on about uh, small government, big business type thing where I, I feel like there shouldn't be that intervening. So it also boils down to with the event space, like, you know, your attendance might be down, but who's saying you shouldn't? Like we have a conference, the nonprofit my wife and I own, we have a conference planned at the end of September. We're still planning to have it at the end mm -hmm. of September because it's all about mindset, resilience and overcoming trauma. What is a more powerful message right now than something like that for individuals that are struggling? Um, so I almost feel like it's an obligation on the events, the venues, the showcases to maintain that, like maintain that community of people. Cause I think it's going to be so vital where people are going to band together more now than ever. At least that's my hope yeah. that it drives people back into that sense of community. And if folks aren't willing to put on the conferences, then it, you're right. It might just be something that dies off completely and goes virtual. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting way to look at it, right? Um, we we can be hopeful. I'm being hopeful. I'm hoping things turn around and we develop something by that and just kind of just we look back at it in just a year of what the fuck, <laughs> like I was saying. But 
yeah, business. Uh, how, wh- why, why business? Like, are you, are you happy with where you're at right now? And would you have made the same decision, you know, years back to leave the force and be running a business? Like, do you think you're, you think you made the right choice? Oh, that's a good question because that's so, there's so many intangibles attached to that. Right. Yeah. Um, because the, the struggle, if we're being real, the struggle is real, right. Yeah. As an entrepreneur and we've had, you know, a couple of years of conversation around this topic where, um, you knew me from right when I started night protection and it was about um, three years ago. Yeah. Uh, right around three and change ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's one of those that starting it all, there have been days and I just wrapped up my MBA and I have a couple other credentials in the security field. And it's one of those, I could probably walk into a C-suite at a security company that's already established and just go grab a paycheck. Right. Um, I'm educated enough. I'm experienced enough. It'd be decently easy enough for me to go find that type of job. But when I look at that possibility, even though I've been in the military and the police and I have been authority, but I've also had authority over me, I still kind of have that problem with authority where I don't like necessarily having to fall into somebody else's structure. Mm -hmm. So like that entrepreneur fire in me, I think will always prevent me from actually going back into the corporate world because you know, at this point I've tasted the freedom, right? I've tasted how successful I can be doing things, not necessarily on my own. Of course, there's always been people like you that have helped me through that and through tough times. But, you know, looking at what I've been able to build, it's like, there's, there's no turning back from that now, you know, I've got the taste and there's no, no going back into the construct of the corporate world. Huh. Interesting to look back at it like that. Right. Cause once you're once you're out and you drink some of the Kool-Aid, it's, it's really, really hard to go back. Uh, yeah, even, man, it, even it's through just, the tough times. Right. It's just amazing to see, you know, actually, once I got back from the deployment, it was right at the yeah. beginning of this year, I was t- talking to a guy that knew me, um, that's here local in Atlanta, mm-hmm. knew, knew me about, met him around the same time I met you, right when I started my business. And, um, you know, I was sitting there venting about, man, the deployment sent me back. We're not where I want to be, so on and so forth. And he's like, hey, man, be objective about what you're talking about. Your problems of today are the dreams you had two years ago, you know, and that put such a great realization on me of, man, think about thinking back to 2010, 2011, 2012, when I was a newer police officer, think about the struggles I had there of, oh man, I'm making 40 grand a year. I'm making a lot of money. Then the next year, geez, I'm only making 40 grand a year. And now, (laughs) you know, we're not even, I'm not even attaching it necessarily to income and revenue, but it's like thinking about the overall happiness of I'm not on night shift working overnight. I'm not dealing with the worst of the worst of situations from death to gangs to drugs. Like, man, I don't think I could turn back, man. It's like, there's been so many more things that I've opened my eyes to outside of the government world that um, even just something like this, like podcasting, like I didn't listen to podcasts before I started my business. Like it just wasn't something that was in my realm of influence. And now I have my own and I'm meeting people all across the country from that. And it's like, I just, how do you go back into, you know, and not judging those that like that, like more power to you. If you're yeah. happy in that, you know, not trying to badmouth anybody, but me personally, now that I've seen this and I've, you know, have shared business struggles and shared life struggles with folks like you and, and, you know, the different masterminds we've been in. And it's like, man, there's just, I can't do it. I just can't do it, man. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause you would tell me 
podcasting. Come on. I'm not going to ever do a podcast. Why, why would I be on a podcast, let alone do my own podcast? <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, right. Later. <laughs> right. I'm a little yeah, bit late to the game. <laughs> what is this thing? You got you. You actually have like I don't interview too many people that have actual mic setups like this. You know, I mean, hey man, you gotta gotta be fancy. looking sharp. You know, gotta catch up fancy. to you in this podcasting world. Fancy, but yeah, um, kind of back to that. You must mentioned that clearly you've gone through some some bad times. It sounds like. Uh, can you can you share any of these dark moments and uh, you know what what keeps you going like this entrepreneurial world and life that we know now is it's, it's not easy it's it, at times it's it's very uh very very lonely there's not many people to relate to and you know why 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 are you still doing it you know it's the tough times are the tough times you know and in the policing world um, I was involved in several situations and you kind of just see the worst of the worst every day. Right. So I've seen kids die in my hands. I, I've had kids die in my hands. I've seen kids, children die. And that was always like the hardest part is, um, children that, you know, innocent folks that are just whatever has happened. Uh, so there've been those situations that were tough. Um, in the military, I lost a couple guys on an operation. Um, uh, the, the one year anniversary when we lost was actually last week. So, um, that's sorry, still tough for me to, to talk about. I, I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, we all signed up to do a job and we all signed up for that mission. And um, I think not talking about them does them a disservice. So I always liked talking about Joey and Will and the sacrifice they gave yeah. for us. Um, but you, you, you talk about tough times. Those are tough times, right? And I think that gives me a different perspective on business where every time I have a struggle that I'm facing in business, I think back to one, at least I'm still here, you know, I'm still furthering my voice and my mission, but two, it's not any worse than anything I've had to overcome in the military on SWAT and law enforcement. You know, it's, it kind of gives me a different perspective where like yeah. this whole COVID thing, you know, I, I feel like it's an overreaction maybe because I've seen much worse than some, most people have seen, you know, so maybe I have a totally different stance on it because my perspective of my, from my background is totally different where to me, this isn't a big deal. You know, I'll, I know we'll get through this because I've gotten through much worse. Um, so to keep motivated to actually answer your question, because I got so long winded on uh, that. This is great. Um, great. Great stuff. You know, to actually answer your question, motivation drives back to my why. And my why has even changed over the years where my initial why came from stuff that happened in law enforcement. And I thought I could provide better service to people, which is where night protection came up. And then the tactical leadership brand and the podcast came up because I'm fascinated with leadership and I'm fascinated with talking to people and meeting people and hearing stories like your own, you're on my show and hearing stories of, I already knew your story, but then sharing your story with my audience to see the struggles you've overcome. Like what's more motivating to see other people like yourself that have, I, I remember the times when you were in the dumps <laughs> about things. Right. And I yeah. remember the struggles and, you know, to see the growth, like, what better motivation is there than to, to be in a community like we're in and see people be vulnerable, you know, see people be struggling, but still take that next step. Cause there's always going to be a next step. There's always going to be another day. You know, there's, there's no reason for there not to be right now. And that's something to be grateful for where there's always a tomorrow. Tomorrow might suck. The next two weeks really might suck, yeah. but 
three months from now, COVID might be a thing of the past. Next year, nobody's going to think about COVID, just like we don't think about H1N1 or Y2K. Like Y2K was a huge thing 20 years ago. Y2K, baby. You know, and people panicked about it, but it lasted all about two or three months, right? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those that, you know, looking forward, you know, there's so much possibility out there. And that's something I've really opened my eyes up to in business is there's so many possibilities that fit into my passion and sharing my passion of safety and security and leadership with people have that motivates me because you always get a little bit of that feedback of man that really correlated that message that 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 post that interview really correlated and motivated me um, and whenever I hear that from somebody it's like man I, I'm obviously on the right track I'm doing yeah. something right and that just you know, what better driver is there than realizing even if it's one person, you're helping that one person through a tough time. Yeah. I think it's very important. Exactly what you said. And if there's anything, you know, something that you get out of this, it's so important to make sure hang, hang out and be a part of communities that our other entrepreneurs are, are in them because you are not the only one going through it. You're not, we weren't the only ones, you know, meeting each other, meeting others in our groups, uh, helping each other out. Like that's, those are the moments that, that really help us through those, those dark times because chances are your family, your, your friends, you know, wife, husband, they might not, you know, you, you're, you're, for you, you're blessed. Like, you know, Heather knows what's going on because she's dealing with similar things, but a lot don't, a lot can't relate to what you're doing. They can't. And uh, we're here for you. We always are. Yeah. And I think, you know, community is so important. And I remember during like um, when we went to Las Vegas at the end of that first mastermind we were in together, mm-hmm. you know, I shared at that point, like I was a month from going to Afghanistan and there was like a little bit of panic in there, my first deployment. Right. And I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it was that group and I still talked to the majority of that group, you know, I'm still involved with the majority of that group because we were able to connect so well. Um, but it was that community that kept me going in business. We were going to shut down business. Like, I'm like, there's no way Heather, like Lord bless her, you know? So Heather, like to give a shout out to the military spouse of the equation, Heather was 25 years old. Well, when I left, she was actually 24. So she's several years younger than me. She was a full-time police officer, ran my business full-time, launched our nonprofit, finished out her master's program, had her first delve into real estate. She sold a house and bought another one, moved us into that, all while Hmm. being my sounding board. So where I was, I was um, talking a little bit more about the deployment. I was the highest ranking guy on the operating base I was on, the five I was on. So in the military, you can't like talk down the chain of command. Like if I have a bad day, I can't go to my right-hand man that's lower ranking and say, hey man, this is what I'm struggling with. You have to maintain that sense of authority, right? So the only person I could talk to was Heather, you know, once or twice a week where she just got the like deluge of all the BS I was dealing with from, you know, the the dumb soldier that made a mistake that, you know, I got an ass chewing for all the way to when Joey and Will died. You know, I couldn't go and cry on my, my subordinate's shoulders. You know, there wasn't, I didn't have that outlet. So Heather was that outlet. Um, so you talk about me being blessed and I, I give her such a hard time, but um, having somebody like her in my life, man, talk about a, a superstar. She's the one that needs to be on this show because she absolutely killed it, man. And um, there were so many struggles that she helped me overcome and that she mm-hmm. overcame and um, having that person 
you know, and having that community uh, of support like y'all, like I stayed in contact with, with a lot of y'all through the deployment, you know, and every once in a while I'd get a message from, Hey man, just checking in. It's like, shit, people are still thinking about me over, even though I'm a world away, you know, um, and surrounding yourself. I'm, I'm a big believer in that you're the sum of the five people. Um, that quote that you become more of the five people you surround yourself with the most. And finding that within a community of like-minded individuals is so key to maintaining motivation and maintaining the path you want to go on. And are you, are you currently still, uh, active at all or? Yeah, I'm still in the national guard. Um, they actually are talking about activating us for all this. Um, Mm -hmm. my rank, given what my rank is right now, I most likely won't be activated. I'm a little bit, I'm not necessarily on the grunt end of things where, Um, I'm more on the strategic planning aspect and they don't need a whole bunch of us right now. They need a whole bunch of people to carry stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I'm still, still involved. I have another deployment geared for 2022. It sounds like maybe 2023. So I'm still in that service aspect for the good old US of A. And how does that change with like, like, you know, cause you still have to run your life, but then you still kind of have that. Because uh, once you're in, you're in, right? And like, how does that how does that change your life every single day and every year right now? You know, it adds an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, you know, I still have a monthly, at least once a month obligation, uh, military wise. So I still have to show up. I still have forty guys I took to Afghanistan that I have to stay in contact with. You know, they all shared that same experience with me. So. It's not like coming back. They're no longer my responsibility. Yeah. Um, and we've had soldiers, several got divorced, several got arrested. Um, several have had things where mentally we just, you don't come back the same, right? Mm-hmm. So even though I might not be active duty, it's still an active lifestyle where I have soldiers and I have guys and we still are that same, di- like a, a different community, right? We still all have to be there for, for each other but it's definitely an impact, you know, um, trying to game plan. That's why I've kept the business as lean as I have just yeah. in case where, you know, if I do get deployed again, I want to make it as easy as possible for Heather to maintain, um, mm-hmm. and for business to continue to succeed. So it's kind of, uh, it's a looming aspect, but yeah. you know, it's part of service, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something I love serving. I love having the connections I've made in the military and just further so much of what I want to do and be a part of that, you know, I can't see it being any other way. Do you, do you keep in touch with, with all of them as much as since, since the, you know, maybe they're not all doing business related things right now. Do you keep in touch with them as much from your former military friends? Yeah. Um, so a lot of them, um, it, it's interesting and this is where part of my reason for joining, you know, I wanted to lead troops in combat. Like that was my big thing. I wanted to be a platoon leader responsible for 40 guys in combat. Careful what you ask for. Cause that's exactly what I got. It sounds like um, a good amount. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was interesting is I took, yeah. um, when, when we activated national guards, a little bit different. So I didn't even have these 40 guys yeah. until October and we were, end of October is when I got the 40 guys, we were in combat at the beginning of January. So you talk about bonding, like for me, a test of leadership was how do I get these 40 guys on the same aspect in the same mission in the same mindset where I say two words and they react, not, Oh, that dude's really, that dude's a dumbass, right? You can't have that type of issue. So you have to grow this community and 
Um, you know, we spent two and a half months in a train up before we went to Afghanistan and, you know, they became my family. And the, the running joke of structure is that as a officer in the military, um, I'm like the platoon mom and my platoon sergeant, my right hand is the dad. He's the disciplinarian. He's the one that if somebody needs to boot up their butt, he's the one that does it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm platoon mom. So when you look at the nurturing aspect, more nurturing aspect is, I can see that. I can see that. Right. Thanks. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it comes back to in that role. I mean, it's, truly my responsibility to stay in touch with those guys where, Hey, you know, even if it's just a monthly check-in, you know, there's gotta be, I think there's gotta be some level of responsibility on my part as a leader in the military as a leader in general. Like it doesn't change any different from right now in business where the manager, the CEO that is no longer seeing their people every single day, which is a situation I'm in. I don't see those guys every single day. It's still the responsibility to, to keep them, realizing that you're there in the forefront of your mind. So yes, reaching yes. out and staying in communication with them so during important. this tough time. Right. So that's where a lot of where I love the military and where I've learned in the military, that exact scenario is now happening across business. So I can directly correlate the lesson of coming back from the deployment and having to maintain a more or less virtual relationship mm-hmm. with these guys to now in business how can I help my clients? How can I help organizations maintain that relationship to that same extent while building a successful culture in these really crazy times nobody was exactly prepared for? It's it's interesting how you kind of aligned it all, right? Like everything you're doing, whether it's your business, your podcast, your former job, you know, you're serving, like it's all in the same sort of group and it's aligning together. You think, is that something that keeps you interested since like you're not venturing out and starting like a bicycle shop or something? No bicycle shop quite or, yet. Uh, um, ice, cream, <laughs> ice cream, little ice cream parlor. Right. Um, see you doing that though. You know, I think, <laughs> I think one of the parts of what I've learned in business and you look at, if you can objectively look at larger organizations, um, look at Amazon, for instance, Amazon got tired of paying somebody else to deliver packages. They got tired of getting a cut from or having to take a cut out of Whole Foods. So they bought Whole Foods, right? They've literally acquired different organizations to Mm -hmm. further their mission. And I feel like it's no different than what I've done in structured business life around is right now we own four organizations that all feed off each other. We're looking at opening a fifth that will kind of feed into that as well, where my military feeds right into night protection. I mean, from connections to experience to training mm-hmm. feeds right into that, which feeds right into our nonprofit for domestic violence victims. Um, we have a long-term sustainability program we have for them. It's a three to five year program. As part of that, we own a real estate holdings firm that the nonprofit rents real estate from. So instead of having to go pay somebody else that has total control of our facility, yeah. now that's us, right? No and then on top of that, Right. No one's stopping you from doing that. I mean, these are acceptable ways of going about business. Well, and that's, that's the big thing. Yeah. That's the big thing. Like you got it. I feel like you have to be aligned and that's like me staying authentic to myself, right? It all aligns and feeds off each other where I've made it a point to keep that aligned because that keeps me happiest. Right. I'm passionate about serving. I'm passionate about safety and security. I'm passionate, passionate about leadership. Well, now each one of those organizations just kind of furthers that my core values, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I think that's a huge piece that people should realize for like ultimate happiness 
that's such a great way to structure your life is make sure everything you're doing kind of feeds off of your core values and interlinks with each other. So you're not off in the weeds creating an ice cream shop that don't, don't get me wrong. I love ice cream, but might not be in alignment with exactly what I'm working on. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. And we are slowly winding down on part one of the podcast Everybody that's tuning in, uh, be sure to check out Zach Knight at, that's such a weird way to say it, at, at Be A Tactical Leader, as well as at Knight Pro LLC. His podcast, Tactical Leadership, is live on pretty much all major podcasting platforms. Be sure to check it out. But now for this next part of the show, our listeners' favorite part, Miro is going to be leaving the episode. Yeah, so stay tuned. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. Miko, his evil twin, is here. Zach, this is the most serious round and part of the podcast. You have, you will have five seconds to initiate an answer for all the questions that I will be throwing at you. We want to. That little, spin was amazing. We, I know we, they didn't might not have seen that spin, but that spin was amazing. Sorry, I have to point that out. Well. If you don't see the spin, be sure to go on our YouTube <laughs> and it's called Bossed to Boss Podcast on YouTube as well as uh, just search Pod River Media. That's our main site. But anyway, you will have five seconds to initiate an answer. We just want to know a little bit more about the real Zach Knight. So without further ado, what is your favorite book? Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink, Leif Babin. Seems like you were ready for that one. Got to throw more curveballs at you. Who have you been most nervous to talk or meet? That I've already met or that I want to meet? That you have. Oh, I don't really get nervous around people. Oh, man. You never, you never, never got the the stomach, you know, that's the queasy feeling ever? Questioning it in your mind. You're like, oh, man. No, I never had the chance to meet Paul Walker, my one man crush. And uh, I haven't met any of my uh, top female celebrities yet. They might make me a bit queasy, but so far, so good. So which one? So which one would make you the most nervous then? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you, you put it on the spot. I mean, now we need to know. You're going to get me in trouble when when my wife hears this. Um, Emily Radijavitz. I can't even pronounce her name. I know who you're talking about. No, yes, sir. no more needed. Okay. She would make me queasy. Yeah. <laughs> Stranded on an island. What is the one item you want with you? Can't be a person. A blade of some sort. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. I think we definitely had that answer a few times, but that is a solid answer. Or a cell phone. I mean, if we're being smart, like, let me get a cell phone to call, right? I mean, you're tech, you might be the only one left on, on the planet, so... Well, and the battery's going to run out. I don't know. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sold on that answer. Blade it isn't. How do you drink your coffee? Ooh, I like my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Kahlu- oh, ka- some Kahlua, an extra cream, extra sugar. How honestly am I able to answer this question? I'll, as honest as it gets. So I like my coffee like I like my women, much like my wife. I get hot, black, and strong. <laughs> All right. Well, this transition is perfect because the Huff Post has a study out there. 
And if you drink black coffee, there's a good chance that you show some kind of psychotic tendencies. I believe it. Absolutely. There it is. There it is, people. There it is. All answers will be explained one day. If you had an unlimited, unlimited amount of money and you can start up any business you want, can't be your own though. Oh. What business would it be? Hmm. CrossFit gym. Man, wasn't that a thing of like 10 years ago? Whoa, you asked anything <laughs> I wanted. Don't judge me for it afterwards. Like, I just want somewhere I can work out that COVID won't shut down, you know? CrossFit gym. All right, making the comeback. <laughs> Let's bring back Bally Total Fitness while we're at it. <laughs> you know what? I even think I could get Richard Simmons if we want to go like really old school, do a little uh, hip hop jazzercise before that was a thing. I, I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> How many children do you want? Two. Uh, okay. I was waiting for some crazy answer, but nope. no, two, that's, that's okay. Heather could hear that one. Um, and last but not least, if I showed up at your office right now and I was like, Zach, I got a million dollar idea for you, a $10 million idea for you. Like this is, this is going to make us rich. And I walk in with boarding shorts and socks and sandals. How would you, uh, how serious would you take me? One of the biggest business inspirations I have is Jesse Itzler. I met him a couple times. Um, he's a local Atlanta um, guy. If you don't know him, look him up. Uh, he went from being a rapper in the early 90s to owning a private jet company to Zico Coconut Water, all the way to now the Atlanta Hawks. Um, every time I've seen him, he's been in a pretty much a white undershirt, shorts, and sandals. I would take you extremely serious because on the outside, if your idea is good and I can help you execute it, I don't care what you look like on the outside because it's those people that have those phenomenal ideas like the Jesse Itzlers of the world that are really the creatives that come up with those phenomenal ideas. Good. Good. Cause, cause you got board shorts and sandals on. <laughs> All right. No, no what's our $10 million? Sandals. What's our $10 million idea? Let's do it. Well, clearly we're going to talk about that one off the air, but <laughs> you have survived Miko. He is out. All right. Miro, oh, Miro is back. Uh, oh, hope you survived. Trip. Hope you survived with uh, Miko. He is, he is quite, quite the twin. Um, quite a character. I don't ever get to meet him personally, but I hear many things. But Zach, Zach Knight of Be a Tactical Leader as well as Tactical Leadership Podcast and at Knight Pro LLC. Check him out across all social media platforms. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Definitely looking forward to what's to come. And the mic is yours. You can close it out. Oh, man, I just appreciate it, Miro. And I'd love to tell the audience to stay motivated during all this. We're all going to see it through. We will. Mic drop. That is all for this episode of Boss to Boss. Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. 
Again, that is Boss, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now. <laughs>